This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. With Australia having signed up to a net zero emissions by 2050 target, new energy sources and technologies such as hydrogen will need to be explored to ensure networks work in a reliable and sustainable fashion. On today's episode of Our Close of Business, Senior Journalist Matt McKenzie discusses how hydrogen works as an energy source, as well as Woodside Petroleum's work here in WA on a $1 billion plus proposal for an export hub in Rockingham. But first, here's the news you need to know today. Western Australians will mark off a statewide ballot paper for the Upper House when they head to the polls in 2025, following the passage of the state government's electoral reforms overnight. Members of the Upper House have historically been elected from six regions, with two electorates covering metropolitan Perth and the other four covering regional WA. But the Legislative Council will now comprise 37 members, an increase of one, with all candidates contesting their spot via a statewide vote, as is the case in South Australia and New South Wales. Premier Mark McGowan labelled today a historic day for WA, arguing the state government had just delivered a fairer voting system. But the passage of the state government's electoral reforms follows staunch opposition from opposition leader Mia Davies, who has previously criticised the proposed laws as negatively affecting regional representation. Steve Thomas, the state's shadow treasurer, this morning lashed the state government over the reforms, arguing Labor had gutted regional representation by shifting to statewide elections for the Upper House. Meanwhile, the opposition has also accused the state government of ramming through the new Aboriginal Heritage Bill, while mining industry bodies have warned the significant adjustment it will require should not be underestimated. Today, Premier Mark McGowan confirmed the state government would table the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Bill 2021, labelling it the most progressive cultural heritage legislation in the country. The new bill, formed based on more than 100 workshops over two years of consultation, removes the controversial Section 18 approvals necessary under the 1972 Act that led to the destruction of Jukun Gorge in May 2020. The government promised the bill would put traditional owners at the heart of decision-making about the protection of culturally significant sites, but the bill has drawn the ire of Aboriginal groups, which have raised concerns about enhancing the power of the Aboriginal Affairs Minister, who will ultimately have the final say over what happens to sites of significance. Opposition leader Mia Davies criticised the state government for rushing the introduction of the bill and not allowing adequate time for stakeholders and constituents to discuss it. Meanwhile, Chamber of Minerals and Energy of WA Chief Executive Paul Everingham said the latest iteration of the bill was one the state's mining sector could work with, but one that would require significant adjustment from all stakeholders. He said change of the scale proposed was complex and warned the challenges associated with its implementation should not be underestimated. And wages lifted 0.8% in the three months to September in WA, slightly more than the national increase. It comes amid a white-hot employment market in the state, with reports of labour shortages across a range of industries. Unemployment in WA hit the lowest level in nine years in September to 3.9%. Nationally, wages lifted 0.6% in September, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. 
And engineering company Monodelphus has secured new contracts and extensions with mining majors BHP and Rio Tinto, worth about $110 million. Monodelphus was awarded 12-month extensions from BHP's iron ore and nickel divisions to continue to provide maintenance services in the Pilbara. Specifically, it will provide services for shutdowns and outages, as well as complete minor capital works at BHP's iron ore sites. Monodelphus will also continue to provide mechanical and electrical maintenance, shutdown and project services at BHP's Nickel West operations. Meanwhile, Rio has tasked Monodelphus with completing upgrades to systems at East Intercourse Island and Cape Lambert, due in the third quarter of 2022. Shares in Monodelphus closed up 1.2% this afternoon to trade at $9.41. We'll be right back. Those in the know know Optus Stadium is the perfect place to host. Weddings, parties, anything, whatever the size of your wedding, ball, graduation or sundowner, our award-winning Optus Stadium makes the perfect backdrop. Our space equals peace of mind. Our chefs equal world-class catering. Our service equals happy guests. Want to create lasting memories for your guests? Visit optusstadium.com.au to find out more. Hydrogen, hydrogen and more hydrogen. Matt, we talk about hydrogen just about every week on this podcast and as we know before, we hate the lack of specificity in any discussion ever had about energy. Now, hydrogen is a buzzword. It irritates me, but you've done a lot of research on hydrogen for this latest edition of our magazine. Can you tell me what the buzz is about and give me a quick refresher over what the potential for hydrogen as an energy source is here in Western Australia? Well, you said hydrogen, hydrogen, hydrogen. And it makes sense because there is a lot of it. It's the most abundant element in the universe. Most stuff out there is made out of hydrogen. But it's potentially going to have benefits in energy too. So if you want to run a power station, you might have coal or gas, which are traditional sources, but they have emissions. You might have solar or wind, but you can't really control when they're on or off. You could also have hydroelectric, but you know you need to have big rivers, basically, or whatever to make that work. So the idea with hydrogen is you can uh, take the energy from one form and you can ship it somewhere else or pipe it somewhere else and uh, someone else can use it over there. So how might you do that? Well, you could put natural gas through a a process called steam reformation, uh, take the CO2 out and then you can either put it in the atmosphere, which defeats the whole purpose, or stick it underground or something. Or you could uh, run these electrolyzers, which are big machines. Uh, You put electricity into them. You really ideally would power it by solar and wind, otherwise, again, it defeats the purpose. You run the electricity through the H2O, which is the water. You get the H, you get the O, you put the H into a, you know, a pipe or a transporting ship or you turn it into ammonia and then you send it off and someone else can burn it. So that's what the hydrogen's all about. And in our latest edition, you've spoken to a gentleman by the name of Jason Cruzan, who is a new official at uh, Woodside and he's working on some of these uh, hydrogen projects for them. Can you tell me how that conversation went and a little bit about this gentleman? This guy is brilliant. I, I've just got to be honest with you. This... High praise. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, I've just got to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, from time to time, uh, maybe uh, if you keep a close eye on politics, you might sometimes wonder if there's enough brilliant people in this world. But this guy, seriously, he worked for NASA. He was there for 14 years. He led uh, the Project Artemis, which is uh, to return man or people or humanity or mankind or whatever you want to say to the moon. 
which is uh, which is going ahead, um, and that's a fantastic thing. But he left that. He left that huge challenge and something that's really important for the world, right? He left it to come here to Perth in 2019 to work with Woodside. And why did he do that? Well, he wanted to take on a different mission, which was closer to Earth. And that's uh, dealing with matters of climate change and all the rest of it. And uh, you might think, you know, oh, NASA, Woodside, what's the sort of relationship? And he says, the interesting thing about this is it's all about systems thinking. So at NASA, you've got these problems. No one's ever done this stuff before. You have to think about it as a system. Um, Woodside, for example, if you're trying to get up a hydrogen project, you have to think about it with systems thinking. So it's a, it's a, it's a way you analyze these problems. And as an example, it's not just about, you know, buying some electrolyzers and buying some solar panels and sort of hoping for the best. It's a very holistic approach. So Woodside bought, uh, oh, sorry, Woodside has, a, has an arrangement with Heliogen, Californian company doing solar thermal technology. The good thing about that is the way it actually works, you can get sort of close to 24 hour power out of it or 24 hour power. Um, there's some demonstration work going on with that. But so this is, it's like a holistic strategy to try to make hydrogen work and uh, it's a complicated thing because there's not really a huge market at the moment and green hydrogen is much more expensive than the alternative. How does this tie into the uh, new project that was announced down in uh, Rockingham recently? Yeah so this was H2 Perth and he's obviously been heavily involved in it. Um, you know what it caught me a little bit by surprise because uh, when we got the release that morning someone's building a hydrogen something in Rockingham I sort of thought well what are you going to build in Rockingham exactly everyone's talking about the Midwest and the Pilbara some people are talking about being down near Esperance. And then uh, when I read through Woodside's analysis, it actually all became clear, and we'll probably get to that in just a moment. But mm. what they've announced is basically uh, construction might start in 2024. Obviously, they're going to have to have the final investment decision. They're going to need to get the offtake contracts and all the rest of it. Uh, and the idea is that to start off, they're going to be producing 300 tonnes of hydrogen per day. A third of that will come through this electricity-powered electrolysis. Two-thirds of that will come through the steam reformation, uh, which basically means it comes from natural gas. Now, people might talk about the carbon impact of that, and we'll get to that in a second. But the important point is here, this is possibly, in my judgment, the most likely hydrogen project of scale, or export scale, going ahead here in WA. There have been a lot of projects proposed. Some of them look a little bit flimsy. Some of them have had environmental problems. Um, you need a lot of capital to do something like this. It's going to be at least a billion dollars. Um, and Woodside has that capital, they have the cash flow to make this sort of decision, they have the international relationships to get the offtake deals done. And then after this has been built, it will continue in stages with FIDs planned sort of every three years for the next 10 to 12 years. And the intention is eventually it will scale up to have 3.25 gigawatts, that's, which is a lot, um, of renewable, sorry, of, of green hydrogen capacity. So no more gas-powered hydrogen, all of the additional stuff will be the green or the electricity powered electrolysis hydrogen. Um, and so that could be a phenomenally large project down in Rockingham. And you've hinted at it there, but there's a significant tie in here with the uh, debate over green and blue hydrogen, that being the input, uh, whether that be coal, gas or uh, solar or other renewables. Um, how does this project play out? So as I understand it, it starts off as a blue hydrogen project? Yeah, so two thirds blue, and then the remaining third is powered by electricity, which again, if it's coming from the grid here, um, you know, 40% of that is coal, 30 probably something is, is gas on any given day. But it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And some people have sort of been critical of Woodside, you know, saying, oh, well, this is just going to be creating carbon dioxide or whatever else. 
But there's a lot to go through here, and this is what is fascinating about this. So in Japan, companies that run coal power stations are looking to reduce their coal and supplement it with ammonia, 20% ammonia. They're doing trials of that at the moment. So you can imagine if you're cutting the coal consumption at a power station by 20%, that's got a quite a beneficial environmental impact. But what you have to do is you have to make sure you get the ammonia over there cheap enough for it to make sense for them to be able to do it and retrofit so the industry grows in scale. And uh, at the moment, green hydrogen is like three or four times more expensive than blue hydrogen. Blue hydrogen is already more expensive than, you know, just shipping gas somewhere. So there's a big cost challenge. And the way to overcome that is going to be, you know, the industry is going to have to grow over time. Um, there's going to need to be a scale up over time. You know, electrolysis equipment, we're going to need to be scaling that up and producing more and more over time. So there's an environmental benefit to using ammonia instead of coal. In terms of here, well, Woodside have said 100% off, uh, offset for their carbon, which means either they'll be capturing it or they'll be planting trees or doing whatever they need to do, pumping it to some other person that was using carbon dioxide in their industrial processes, whatever else. Um, so it's all offset, right? So it's not like they're just going to be releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. And I find it a little bit frustrating if people say, ah, you know, it's bad that a gas company is going to be um, making this move, a big step, an economically challenging step towards going greener because they're not going far enough in one leap. I just find that very frustrating. And the long-term impact of this, and this is what I wanted to save to last, could be really significant because we mentioned that 3.25 gigawatt electrolyzer capacity earlier. Um, to do that, they've said we'll need six gigawatts of renewables to power the system. That's more than the entire generation capacity in the Swiss at the moment. So it could be an enormous thing in terms of new solar, new wind being contracted out and built across Western Australia in order to power this thing. And the reason, and this is where the pure genius of this comes in, I said to you earlier why they're building this in Rockingham, the reason is all of the infrastructure is already there. They are right at the heart of the Swiss grid network. And at the moment we have this problem, we have this solar power coming onto the grid at varying times, it's causing reliability issues. In fact, we have a risk that at some point in the next few years, demand on the network, because people have rooftop solar, will fall so low the generators are going to be shut off in a way that's potentially dangerous and it could create um, big risks to the network. Having these electrolyzers there fixes that problem because they can increase demand at times when demand is otherwise too low. So they help to balance the grid. And the pure genius of all of this is that means it's easier to have more renewables on the network. So at the moment, we can't necessarily get more renewables very easily because there's pressure that demand is going to fall below this risk level. They can soak up the extra supply when demand is low on the grid and uh, and that way they can act to stabilize the grid and they might even i'm speculating here probably receive a payment from the state government to do that and rightly so to be honest with you so that's the genius they're right in the heart of the electricity grid in quinana and it's something that's going to help stabilize the network and help over the long term reduce carbon emissions on the network here in wa so all of that being said surely this is a big positive step forward i think we can't just say with these sorts of things oh, it must be green, perfect, whatever hydrogen right off the bat, right off the get-go, because you need someone to buy it. Well, in the absence of Andrew Forrest wanting to build a project here, but wanting to build them on the eastern states, it's good to see somebody building a hydrogen project here. Matt, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Jordan. Hi, I'm Danielle Green, General Manager at Business News. Are you a young business leader creating impact in your industry? Nominations are now open for the 40 Under 40 Awards, 
celebrating and recognising Western Australia's leading business professionals under the age of 40. Stand apart from your competitors, show your commitment to excellence and celebrate your place as a leader in your field. Nominate today. For more information, visit 40under40.com.au. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium, now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.